Well, again, happy Mother's Day. Uh, today's teaching is not specifically for mothers, but it's on a topic that every Christian mother wants their children to know, and that is about the Word of God, the Bible. Speaking of Christian mothers, um, we got a photo just a couple of days ago um, from one of our missionaries uh, in Northeast India. His mother is sick, and for the first eight miles of her journey to get medical care, this is her ambulance, a plastic chair strapped to a bike, <laughs> unique sidecar. <laughs> um, from there, she was uh, transported by helicopter to the nearest medical facility. That's the latest we've heard. So we're going to take a moment to pray for this mother, but we're going to pray for a lot of other things. And we're going to do that by just lifting up your prayers to God. Whatever they happen to be, would you just pause? Some of you are facing really challenging times. You've just lost a family member. Kids are graduating. The next four Saturdays, I'll be at weddings for four people from our congregation. A lot of life changes happening. Illness, difficulty, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial. Marriages that are hurting. Whatever it happens to be, lift those concerns to the Lord. And would you also be grateful and praise Him and thank Him for being the good God that He is? So we're going to be quiet for a moment, and then I'll lead us in prayer. Let's pray. God, if we could hear the words that our hearts and our spirits are thinking right now, it would be utter chaos and confusion. But to you, you discern every heart, every thought, every emotion, words that can't even be spoken, your Holy Spirit brings to your throne, and we're grateful for that. God, we pray for all these needs, and, and thank you for your activity. Help us, Lord, to be used by you in whatever way you desire. May we honor you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, have you guys noticed how lists seem to be taking over the world? I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but lists are everywhere, especially in social media, right? So <clears throat> I spent three minutes, maybe less, and I cut out a, a ton of these, but here are just a few lists that I found. All right, these are life-changing things. Five planes that landed at the wrong airport. You've got to know about it. Ten restaurants not reachable by car. I kind of would like to know about that one. <laughs> Eleven insanely great hiking trails that are right in your backyard. For me, that's evidently Billingsley Road. All right. Twelve reasons Ben Carson would make a good president. Seven life lessons your cat can teach you. Five ways to increase your spouse's spirituality. Lists are everywhere. God made a really popular list. We call it the Ten Commandments. In your reading this week for life groups through the Discipleship Handbook, you're going to find four things, a list of four things about the Bible, teachings about the Bible, important things about the Bible. So lists are everywhere. And we're going to have a list here in just a second, seven things the Bible says about itself. But before we do that, we just want to lay the foundation. This is really critical. Um, if you aren't aware of this, 
we have a we believe statement here at Discover. It's not a creed or anything like that. It's just some things that we say are imperative. This is what we believe. There aren't a bunch of them. They're really, really essential. This is what we believe about the Bible. The Bible is inspired and given to us directly by God. It has no fault. It should not be added to or taken away from. The Bible. In a day when a lot of people are looking for inspirational teachers, we need to look for people who are teaching the inspired Word of God. And there is a difference. Now, it's great if you have both, but if you can only have one, make sure it's the inspired Word of God that is the important one. The Bible must be given final say on any subject. The word Bible just means book, and it is the book. It should be the book that guides and guards our lives. So seven things about the, the Bible itself. Now, I want you to understand, uh, we're going to jump in, we're going to go fast, and we're in danger. Here's why. Some of you right now are thinking, man, I hope these seven points go fast because lunch is coming up, and you do know it's Mother's Day, right? And you know how long the lines are. I get that. I really do. Satan also gets that. And he's going to do everything he can to distract us. You're going to say, he's really wearing that shirt on Mother's Day? Whatever is going on. <laughs> My wife sat in town with her mom, so yes, I did wear this. It was not pre-approved. But the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are powerful. Satan knows it. But good news, they are powerful. So let's celebrate that as we move on today. All right, seven things the Bible says about itself. I wish we only had one mega scripture, but these are seven things. Seven things the Bible says about itself. They're wonderful. First, the Word of God equips. Now, just to let you know, we're coming out of the chute with the two-by-four, okay? This is probably the most painful one because I think it's going to hit all of us. If it doesn't hit you, come and see me because you have achieved perfection and we want to glorify you. All right? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped thoroughly for every good work. The Bible is literally inspired. God breathed into it. That's what the word inspired means. And God breathed into the word of God, and the word of God breathes life into us. It's fantastic. We've been uh, on a journey, and we're asking you to share your story. And again, ask you to do that for a few weeks out, um, if you would share your story this week. Uh, today, we have uh, two women from our congregation who both happen to be mothers, um, and we're going to anonymously share a little bit of their testimony. And we're going to start with one of the women here, and this is what she said about the Bible in her life. All of it is inspired, not just the parts we like or find palatable. We need to memorize and post, or, I'm sorry, we tend 
to memorize and post verses that make us feel good. We love the sweet words about God's love, grace, and protection, and the promise nothing can separate us from the love of God got me through some very difficult times of fear and insecurity. Okay, here comes the two by four. But a disciple also focuses on verses about spiritual formation, such as John 15, 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do, what's the word? Nothing. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. In contrast to all these sinful things, Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14. This is where the two-by-four may have a nail in it. All right. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. She goes on. A healthy meal of God's Word also includes the verses that might even leave a bad taste, quote, in our mouths. Convicting verses about sin and sacrifice and even suffering. John 14, 15, where Jesus says, If you love me, here's the proof, you will obey my commands. Luke 9, 23, then Jesus said to them all, If anyone wants to be my disciple, he will take up his cross daily and follow me. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 and 18, Do not repay anyone evil for evil be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone ephesians 4:29 do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only that which is helpful for building up others according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen my feet my toes are wounded they're getting stepped on every verse 1 Peter 4.16, however, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. God's word has led me to repentance over and over. That brokenness then allows God's power to be made perfect in my weakness. And though I can't say I enjoy it, my suffering leads me to a deeper relationship with God. We don't need to know everything in the Bible, but we do need a steady, balanced diet of truth. In my experience, when I ask God for wisdom and understanding, He always gives me what I need. This mature disciple knows that the whole Bible is important, that all of it equips us for a life of following Jesus. The Bible equips. Second, the Bible transforms. Listen to Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates to dividing even the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. 
Last week, Jordan talked uh, about a very important concept about relationship. And we've, we talk in our life groups and in our discipling process about making sure that we are in relationship with God and with others and that we are transformed by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God, by other Christians speaking into our life, and that we are on mission with God. And the Bible is a huge, huge part of this second piece, this transformation. History tells us, and you probably know the first part of the story or may know the first part of the story about the mutiny on the bounty, the ship, the bounty, and how Captain Bly was uh, taken care of, and then they, uh, they took over the ship, they ended up uh, landing in a really small, on a really small island in the Pacific called Pitcairn Island. What you may or may not know is that there were only a few people who were there. Small island, one mile by two miles. And my math says that's two square miles. So small little dot in the Pacific. After 10 years, because of drunkenness and fighting and murder, there was one adult male, 11 women, and 23 children who remained alive on the island. That was it. The man who remained alive was named John Adams. And he found and started reading the Bible that had come on the ship. And this drunken, murderous, incredibly vile sailor was transformed simply by the Word of God. And he became a follower of Jesus. And not only that, he dedicated himself to teaching and discipling every single person on that island, and every one of them gave their hearts to the Lord. Now, how is that possible? Through a book, because the book is the inspired Word of God, and it transforms us. The Bible transforms. The Bible also illuminates. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, 22 Uh, Hebrew letters in the alphabet, and each section starts with one of those letters. So it's an acrostic, and the entire theme of the longest chapter in the Bible is what? The Word of God. Listen to what Psalm 119, 105 says. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Word of God illuminates. Do you know that scientifically, darkness is simply an absence of light? And that scientific fact simply points out what the Bible already pointed out a long time ago. When in first, I'm sorry, in John 1.5 it says, The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never overcome it or never extinguish it. The smallest amount of light always penetrates the darkness every single time. Darkness has no power over light. And John 3, 19 and 20 says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but here's the problem. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light 
and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. There was a nomad and traveling in the desert and set up camp for the night. He woke up in the middle of the night. He was kind of hungry. So he lit a candle and he found a bowl of dates and he, he bit into one. Thought it tasted a little odd, so he looked at it and he found at least part of a worm. So, yeah, you can go, ooh. So he said, I don't think I want that. So he threw it outside the tent. He picked up another one, bit into it, found a worm. Threw that one out. Said, you know, if I do this, if, I, if this keeps up, I, I'm not going to have any food. So here's what he did. He blew out the candle and he ate the rest of the dates really fast. If light shows that something is gross, it's still gross in the dark. Too often people remove the light of the Word of God because it exposes something nauseating or harmful. And so we'll just turn off the light from it and go ahead and do what we want. If your path is unclear, or if your, your life seems dim, you need to shine the light of God into every corner, especially the dark ones. The light will, will just illuminate. The Word of God will light up your entire life if you allow it, if I allow it. Staying in Psalm 119, if you just jump back a couple of verses, or a few verses, I should say, another famous, famous verse from this wonderful psalm. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The Bible protects us. The greatest example of this is Jesus, God in the flesh. If you remember a few weeks ago when we were studying through Luke and we studied the, the temptation of Jesus, we saw what Jesus used as his weapon, and it was what? It was what? The Bible, the Word of God, period, nothing else. He actually used the book, the book of Leviticus three times to combat the temptation. And it's interesting, too, that Satan used the very Word of God as a temptation for Jesus. So if you do not know the Word of God, you will not have a weapon to use against temptation, and you especially will be deceived when the Word of God is twisted and distorted and used against you, because it sure sounds like it's right. You have to know the Word of God. So unless you are more spiritually mature than Jesus... You better know the word. I had better know the word. Some of you will say, I, I just can't memorize the Bible. I can't. My brain is, is old. My hard drive is full, you know. Well, allow God to reformat it. <laughs> it's funny how I can remember stupid facts. And you know why I can remember them? Either because I declared that they were important to me, or I've seen them over and over and over and over and over. Word of God's the same way. 
If it's important to you, if you read it over and over and over, you'll memorize it. The Holy Spirit promises. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come and he would help us to remember all the things that Jesus had told us. I have a flashcard app on my phone. And I put the reference of the scripture on one side and on the other side uh, is the text. So for example, when I am wanting to buy something I can't afford or I just don't need, the Holy Spirit reminds me of Proverbs 30, verse 8, which says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but only my daily bread. Oh, yeah. God, I just need you, not this thing. How many of you have played paintball sometime? Raise your hand. How many of you have enjoyed paintball? Keep your hands up if you did. (laughs) Paintball is an absolute blast. It also hurts a lot. (laughs) For those of you that like paintball, you like that sound, right? Where you're shooting somebody, it's awesome. Yeah, in the name of Jesus, yeah. (laughs) If you are a paintballer, how fun would it be to go out there with no goggles, no kind of protection whatsoever, the very thinnest clothing that you could possibly wear, and no gun? Everybody signing up for that? You're insane. (laughs) It's funny that something we would never do in paintball is exactly what we do every day spiritually. We don't have our sword, our our gun, the, the word. We don't have the protection of the armor of God. And we don't even seem to be concerned about it. We just keep getting hit and knocked down and bruised and wounded. And we think, wow, life is tough. And it is. But if you have the word of God... It can protect you. It can defend you. It can help you. It's actually an offensive weapon as well. The Bible protects you and and keeps you from temptation. The Bible also convinces us. John, in his gospel, toward the end of it, in John chapter 20, writes this. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See, the Bible helps us to understand and be convinced of the truth of God. And that may happen the very first time you hear some truth. It may take a hundred times or more. Here's the second testimony about a woman, uh, from a woman in our congregation who is talking about the Bible's influence. She said, it's funny how you can read something a hundred times and then on the 101st, it hits you. There are a multitude of Bible verses and stories that are incredibly meaningful to my faith journey, and one of them is Exodus 14, 14. It reads, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Well, I don't do being still well. I always have an eye in the future, on the future, and, and have a plan Z for everything, just in case. Being still equals giving up control. That is not my natural way. In fact, it's so unnatural for me that the idea of it almost triggers a sort of involuntary, instinctive panic inside of me. I like to be in control. I don't like to share control, period. So this verse is both a comfort and a challenge to me. The obvious challenge is to be still, to surrender control. The comfort is the promise that is allowed to shine through that obedience and stillness the immense and incomprehensible concept that the Lord himself will fight for me when I finally stop and just let him. 
It literally makes me relax physically to think about this. The amazing simplicity and simultaneous complexity of this verse is the Lord is in control. All you have to do is let go of your pointless attempts to maintain control. This is amazing stuff. God will and does fight for me, and I could really see that more clearly if I spent less time and energy formulating my plan Z for my battles and, being more, and spending more time being still and listening to him. So simple, yet so freeing. I'm sure you have a struggle or two of your own that the Word of God is speaking into your life, and you're hearing it, and you're hearing it, and you're learning it, and you still need convincing. Let the Word of God convince you. Trust the Word of God. It is truth. The Bible also applies to our lives. James chapter 1 makes an incredible statement. I'm going to read verses 22 through 25. Do not merely listen to the Word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. In other words, you can't just read it. You have to apply the word of God to your life. So we're going to try something here. All right, I would like for you right now, uh, if, you're, if you're bold, you can sing it out loud. I would like for you to sing an E. No? All right, let me give you a little help. It's the E above middle C that I want you to sing, okay? E above middle C on the piano, got it? Let's go ahead and sing it out right now. Yeah, yeah. If you have perfect pitch, you're like, why isn't anybody singing? But you're too embarrassed. All right, here, this will help you out. Uh, it has a frequency of 329.63 hertz. Boom, sing it. Okay. This is the tuning fork that happens to be tuned to 329.63 hertz. The pitch E above middle C. It's a lot like the Bible in this respect. It is the standard. You tune your instruments to this, not the other way around. That's how the Word of God functions. You tune your life to the Word of God, not the other way around. And for this to work, you have to listen. So you have to eliminate distraction and noise. It doesn't really scream. And then you have to use it. Just owning it doesn't do anything. You have to implement it. You have to use it. And then you have to apply it to something, or you won't hear it. For example, all right. It's making a tone. I can sort of hear it, but watch what happens. You ready? You're going to be able to sing an E really, really simply, I promise. I'm going to make a noise here. Sorry. Sing an E for me. Right? This is for sale, $85. Just kidding. Do you understand the principle? I need to get it into my head. It's the standard. You have to eliminate noise. You have to use it. You have to apply it. It's the Word of God. Adults, whether you're a mom or a dad or not, 
If you want to give a gift to a child that lasts forever, give them the Word of God. See, the Word of God does one other thing. It really does last forever. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 says this. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our Lord stands how long? Forever. How long? Forever. How long? Forever. Charles Colson said that the Bible is more widely read and more frequently attacked than any other book in history. Generations of intellectuals have attempted to discredit it. Dictators of every age have outlawed it and executed those who read it. Yet soldiers carried it into battle, believing it was more powerful than their weapons. Fragments of it smuggled into solitary prison cells have transformed ruthless killers into gentle saints. Charles Colson would know because after his incredibly significant role in the Watergate scandal, he was put in prison, and that's where his life was transformed by the Word of God. And he became a pastor, and he started prison fellowship ministries. The transforming, equipping, illuminating, convincing, applicable Word of God lasts forever. What else lasts forever? Your soul. And it's going to spend eternity living with God, or it's going to spend eternity dying without Him forever in one of those two places. So here's the bottom line. First, do you believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God that is given directly by Him to us? And if you do, then the book has to reply to everything in your life and mine. So two bottom line questions as we close. First, and allow these to sink in a little bit. Which of these areas of my life is most abundant regarding the Word of God? In which area can I celebrate the fact that God has been at work through His Word? And in which area have I neglected the Word of God? And I need to ask for His help. We're going to pray, and during this time, we just ask that your spirit would be in tune to God's spirit. Let's pray. God, please burn the importance of your word into our hearts. Use it to equip us and to transform us, to illuminate our lives, to convince us. Apply it to our lives each day, God, and remind us that like our souls, your word will last forever. May your word nourish our souls each day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing a song, and it talks about Jesus. Jesus is the word made flesh. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you can do that today. You can come forward. Will Davis did that for the first hour. You know that thing we did with the babies where we prayed for them and said, we as a church family are going to walk with these parents and these children? That's happening. And Will is evidence of that.
Maybe you're an adult and you've never confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. You can do that today. You can come and surrender your heart and say, God, I've been trying to do this myself, and I need your word to guide me, your Holy Spirit to guide me. I need to confess my sin. I need to stop going the way that I've been going. I need to have your, your Holy Spirit. And I need to have the blood of Jesus wash over me, that his sacrifice would cleanse me, and you can be baptized. And all of that can happen today. Or maybe it's one of those questions especially the second one, where is the Word of God not being applied to your life? I have a lot of them. But by God's grace, each day, we become a little bit more like Jesus. Would you please stand and sing from your heart as we rejoice and as we contemplate who God is and what He wants from us. Thank you.